0: Welcome to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com, the show that features conversations with people from all walks of life, talking about their extraordinary experiences and inspirational messages. Now, here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello and welcome to Don't Box Me In. I hope everyone is having an amazing kind of week so far. Uh, today, I want to talk about a very sensitive topic that is pretty much the buzz these days, and hopefully I'll get a chance to spread some awareness and sensitivity. The matter is bullying. Bullying is exposing a person to abusive actions repeatedly over time. This painful behavior has grown beyond the threats of taking lunch money to teens committing suicide from being bullied over the Internet and social media networks. It is aggressive, Hurtful, and most importantly, intentional. Bullies know they are harming another individual. Let me take a moment to share some bullying statistics. About 42% of kids have been bullied while online, with one in four being verbally attacked more than once. 8% of students stay home on any given day because they're afraid of being bullied. About 35% of kids have been threatened online. Other bullying statistics show that about 77% of students have admitted to being the victim of one type of bullying or another. And the American Justice Department bullying statistics show that one out of every four kids will be bullied sometime throughout their adolescence. Finally, every seven minutes, a child is bullied. Only 4% of the time, an adult will intervene. 11% of the time, a peer intervenes. And get this, 85% of the time, there is absolutely no intervention at all. These figures are simply unacceptable. Tony Bertoli is my guest today, and he knows firsthand about bullying. Born with cerebral palsy and given up for birth at adoption, He spent some of his school years being called names and harassed by a group of bullies. His story is of triumph over physical and emotional adversity, which he travels nationwide to share and provide inspiration to kids in school. Welcome to the show today, Tony.
1: Thank you, Lana. It's great to be with you today. I really appreciate
0: it. Oh, I appreciate you for hanging out with me for an hour. Um, So tell us a little. So tell us a little bit about Tony. Why is it that bullying became your cause?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I'll tell you, this was just about uh, 10 years ago, and I had been working uh, full-time with a group that was uh, based out of middle or Nashville, uh, Tennessee. And in the middle of my my work there, um, I, I got the opportunity one day to share Uh, They were looking for something similar, you know, in that workplace of inspirational stories or life-meaning messages. And what I did was put together in in just a matter of two weeks a basic short timeline of my story actually going all the way back to birth. And I got that opportunity in a 50-minute time frame. It was back in 2001, actually. I'll never forget the day. And I got the chance in the 50-minute time frame there to basically open up and and share much of my life story, I'd say almost 90% of my life story. And I didn't even know at the time I had heard of the word bullying, but I didn't really correspond it or make the parallel to what I had gone through and my experiences to what the bullying issue is and how much it's grown in different venues and in different channels nowadays.
0: Okay, what an amazing opportunity you were given. For those of us out there who might not know or understand, can you give us uh, more details about exactly what cerebral palsy is?
1: Sure. Sure. Cerebral palsy affects uh, babies right at the birth uh, stage, uh, right at the time that a baby is born. And most of the time what what it stems from is a lack of oxygen, flowing to the brain because of a premature birth. And it's in various stages. Uh, you see kids and even adults, uh, young adults and even adults with cerebral palsy and different varying degrees. And what happens is the lack of oxygen at birth can cause brain damage. It's what happened in my situation, and there wasn't enough oxygen flowing to my brain. I mean, much like we need, you know, blood flowing through our heart, we also need the oxygen very much. And I had, uh, I was born ten weeks premature, and because wow. of that, at, at the time, there was a, a lack of oxygen, or and uh, it just didn't, I, you know, it just became such a struggle right then because. We didn't have the medical advances or the technology that we have nowadays, uh, to deal with, you know, such these situations. And Mm -hmm. so being born 10 weeks premature back then, and I'll give you the date, uh, was back in 1970, uh, of course, that was a, that was a big challenge. And uh, of course, I mean, there's many challenges out there. but, uh, yeah, nowadays they have more advancements in technology to deal with these situations when back then in 1970, uh, we really didn't.
0: Okay. And you were uh, blessed and very fortunate uh, that two loving people uh, took you on for adoption after that and, and raised you. Uh, how did they deal with uh, the cerebral palsy? Did, how did they help you uh, overcome that?
1: Most definitely, and that's one of the big factors and just important factors of cerebral palsy is how involved people are, uh, whether parents, and and my parents were very involved, uh, my mom and my dad, and it's a real, I think, a real inspirational uh, part of the story because they wouldn't give up to begin with, and they just kept going, and doctors had told them again and again about some of the challenges uh, that were going to have that were going to happen in my life and because it was very small and very weak and uh, to my mom uh, Linda Bartoli and my dad Tom Bartoli uh, that didn't matter and they just wanted to keep going uh, no matter what and you know doctors presented them with some challenges but they said well we're gonna we're gonna do some things that are really going to move his life along. So they did; they were very involved early on, and that's important um, for children with cerebral palsy. I think that that really helps with the severity of it uh, during the formative years and the first few years of life, uh, but also, I mean, later on going down through life. Yeah, the, I, then they had friends of the family that were very involved too. So I had quite a bit of speech therapy, and I did have much physical therapy uh, because it does go back to uh, in those first few years, uh, even though uh, they did a number of the things that they did, doctors thought I wouldn't ever be able to walk. So it really uh, it really took a turn for the better there. Right around age four and a half, I did actually get up and start walking.
0: Oh, amazing, amazing. So you yeah. mentioned uh, in the beginning that, uh, you weren't even really aware that there was a term called bullying, uh, but uh, from your story that I've read, in your early years in school, you you actually did suffer the uh, consequences of bullying. Uh, how did it start? Uh, was it because of your, uh, I don't like to say disability, but was it because of that, or how did, how did all of that happen?
1: Yes, and, and Lana, thank you, because normally that's, that's just the truth. It, Bullying usually centers around others in an environment being able to pick up on something different about somebody else and just really being able to zoom into that, I mean, so to speak, and, and take that difference about somebody. And, uh, and the, what, what we called it back then, and, and like I said, I didn't know that it was bullying, but what, what I called it back then starting in fourth grade for me was being picked on. And over and over again, I would talk about being picked on, being picked on, or being teased and put aside. And uh, the name calling—it was the verbal. Now we, you know, we call this verbal bullying. Uh, that started in fourth and fifth grade for me. They're uh, in the elementary school years.
0: Oh wow! You know, and I've always said that sometimes it's the younger kids that are the most harsh, and it's it's rather unfortunate. Uh, when it when it started, did you tell your teachers, or were your parents involved in it?
1: That was amazingly difficult because, especially for myself with the cerebral palsy, uh, my first instinct was to shut down, and that's what I did for about the first ten months. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to I didn't want to talk to anybody about it. I, I kept it to myself. Uh, basically bottled it up inside, and it was very difficult to share it with anybody, any teachers or any of the persons at school. Now, there were some students at school that saw this going on, um, but, again, most of them at that age, it was difficult for them to speak up and say something, too. So, you know, I, I called it struggle of silence there when I was in fourth grade. For the first ten months, I, I just didn't really know... Um, what's it, well? It started, and then I had some of the neighborhood kids. Actually, I know the the school the school year where I'm at runs about nine months, and then we and at that time up in eastern Pennsylvania, I ran about nine months. But even some of the kids and after school activities are during, going into the summer. The neighborhood kids would uh, continue with some of the bullying. Wow! So yeah, it is something that they they do early on. And Lana, I think. One of the, the challenges that these days, it's getting younger and younger. It mm-hmm. really is. I've, I did, I just um, over the past month, I've received emails from parents that have students that are, are first graders and students that are second graders. And, and they just say, well, well, Tony, wow, this bullying is going on, the verbal, the physical, and especially now it's swinging into cyberbullying.
0: Yes, I've heard about a lot of that.
1: Hmm.
0: Okay. So, um, I'm curious to know. I, I would assume that it's very stressful to be, you know, trying to overcome the physical challenges that you already had, and then to kind of have to go through this bullying with this these kids on a day to day basis. Did it that that affect your schooling? I mean, I mean, I'm pretty sure you weren't eager to go to class every day or wake up in the morning to go to school. Um, did it have an effect on your education? On a daily basis,
1: right? It, it sure did, and it sure did. And I don't know that it was on a, a daily basis, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, I'll tell you that, that out of a five-day school school week, out of a five-day school week, I, at least three three days of the week it was on my mind. And when mm-hmm. I got on that school bus in the morning, uh, I was very hesitant. You know, actually, I remember actually getting off the school bus and getting ready to walk into the school doors, and I was just very hesitant. Yeah, yeah, it did, because the physical and the, the emotional challenges of cerebral palsy in and of itself, and then to add on to that, you know, going through a school day and thinking, oh, my word, am I going to get bullied today? It mm-hmm. just added to it. So, yeah, very, very much a challenge. And, um, I, you know, starting there in, in fourth and fifth grade, it uh, and I and I thought well once I changed schools I thought once I got up in the middle school it would uh, it would go away but I can I can tell you a little bit more about that later but it, it didn't I mean it just increased in intensity uh, going into middle school years
0: oh how sad so you you said that uh, it started and for about ten months you kept it bottled uh, up. What happened after the ten months? They kind of changed things, where more people became aware of the fact that people were messing with you.
1: I did. I got into fifth grade. Um, I remember it was the next school year. I got into fifth grade, and uh, especially uh, some teachers uh, started to take notice. And okay. they, they especially started to take note that um, well, they knew I had cerebral palsy and the challenges, but they could see in the hallways that some some kids, some of the other fellow students were really grouping up on me in different mm-hmm. ways and saying names. Um, and, I, and I don't mind sharing either. You know, I, I got called the crippled, the crippled oh, wow. one, uh, the no good went along and, uh, and stuff wow. like that started verbally in the hallways. And some of the teachers, you know, they'd stand outside the classroom doors in between classes and they would take note of some of this and it ended up with the first, I remember the first two visits uh, down to the guidance counselor's office where mm-hmm. myself and, and some of the other students, the bullies, and we all ended up in the counselor's office so that, you know, the counselor can say, well, what, okay, what's going on here? Everybody, and uh, because some teachers have brought, all, there was five of us all together, myself and then four of the bullies on the first couple of meetings there. And he just, the council was trying to, you know, probe and ask questions of, okay, with, yeah, Tony's got cerebral palsy here. Uh, he said, and he, even himself, he's, he said he's getting picked on and he's getting teased and he wanted to know more. Where's this coming from? But, so. Okay. Well, Tony, we're going
0: to take yeah, a quick... Okay. We're going to take a quick break right now, but when we come back, I want to talk more about how the teachers began to help you through this transition, Uh, but we'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Hello, hello. We're back talking with Tony Bartoli, And before the break, we were talking about uh, bullying and his trouble growing up and being bullied by uh, fourth and fifth grade, I think it was. And we were at the point talking about uh, when the guidance counselor had called uh, him in to talk because the teachers had started to notice that the kids were picking on him. And, uh, Tony, when the guidance counselor called you in, were the, the bullies there in the room as well?
1: They were. Yes, they were.
0: Okay, uh, I'm just curious what, what was their reaction? Were they defensive uh, or
1: or what? At first at first they were defensive, but I think all, when they all started looking at each other and, mm-hmm. and one said, hey, there's no way around this. I mean it's, I really they, they knew that they were on the spot, I mean so to speak, and mm-hmm. uh, but they did they, they had to say, well, yes yeah, so, and I think you know and I'm not saying just that back then, um they were more open about it because mm-hmm. uh, just as an example we didn't have the and this is just an example we we didn't have the cyberbullying uh that is so strong today these days um but then they they were a little bit more open when they got they got caught and it was uh, you know several teachers that noted um that this group had been had been doing the bullying uh that they were pretty much receptive to being truthful about it and opening up to it uh, therein, it was a small accountability group there. Okay,
0: okay. And so after that, did it stop immediately
1: or? No, it didn't. And that's that's one of the challenges of bullying is that, uh, and I, I'm saying from personal experience that it, it calmed the waters, let's say for a little while, uh, maybe mm-hmm. right around 8 to 10 days but then it slowly started to get back together. So yeah, it, only, um, it only stopped it for a short time, but they, they came back and then came back pretty strong uh, with more bullying. Wow. So
0: did your teachers or your guidance counselor call your parents and inform them of what was happening uh, at that time?
1: We did. There were, there were phone calls, uh, I remember, to my parents, uh, definitely, um, but also to the to the parents of the bullies, and um, I think there's a, a big a key there for okay, how involved are the parents going to be in taking, you know, being sincere uh, about these issues and and talking about it with their kids and trying to, I mean, if if a guidance counselor has called a parent uh, from the school and and said uh, your kid's been for me back then picking on somebody. Um, Okay, how real are the parents in dealing with, you know, their, their children about this? So, uh, yeah, we, we had phone calls to every person at that time, uh, to, to my parents and also the parents of the students doing the bullying.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we have the scenario
0: that the teachers the guidance counselor has called you and the bullies in the office. We've had the conversation. We've now talked to the parents. It's a few days later. It's started to escalate again. Was the bullying worse at this time than it was before, or just kind of the same? Did it escalate?
1: It started, well, the verbal, in, there in elementary school, they stayed with the verbal bullying, and mm-hmm. it, stay, it stayed about the same uh, there in elementary school. Uh, but then it started to escalate the following year in middle school. So fourth and fifth grade, Um, It was really there. It was the verbal bullying. Uh, Then when we got into middle school, it started to change. Um, And that's, uh, I think, a part of the middle school culture is that, you know, boys and girls, there's so much going on in middle school. And Mm -hmm. it just it it did it. It moved more into the physical bullying than when we got into middle school.
0: Wow. So they were at this time pushing and shoving in those kinds of things.
1: Yes, yes, and I, honestly, I, I can just remember the days where I, I the bullies knew how to push my buttons, and then they would actually look for teachers or for administrators in the hallway. And there were so many kids in the, in the middle school that I was at, which which is common, you know, in many schools all across the nation. Um, but they would look around and they would find their time basically. Too. I remember being grabbed by the shoulders and one of of the bullies would go ahead, run out in front of me, knowing that my walking is unstable, um, Mm. what they Mm. call my gait, G-A-I-T, from the cerebral palsy, and there there was less strength in my legs. And um, so one of the bullies knew how to come around, and he would stick his leg out, and another Mm. one would be behind with hands and ready to put hands on the shoulders. And it uh, didn't really take a forceful push to... You know, make me go down to the ground. But yeah, with, they knew how to, they had their little setup to go ahead and make sure one was out in front of me with the leg to make me unstable and for me to trip over. And the other one would be behind me with hands on, ready to put even just one hand on the shoulder because my walking can be, my balance back then, um, mm-hmm. was quite unsteady. And just like, you know, I did, I had four surgeries uh, that I was going through. In the schooling years, in my public school years, I uh, went through four surgeries to get my legs straightened out as best as possible. Mm. Wow. And, and
0: walking through school on a day-to-day basis, were there any fellow students that kind of stuck up and said, hey, you know, you shouldn't do this, this is wrong, or was everybody just kind of silent and just watched everything happen?
1: Right at that time, it, it was very, uh, like you just said, it was, it was silent, and many of them watched it happen, and I I remember, you know, some of the looks on their faces that they knew it was wrong, but I think, and I, I know now because some of them have contacted me through emails and everything, and they just tell me, Tony, we, we didn't know what to do or we didn't know what to say, and those are the bystanders that are out there. And there's Mm -hmm. so many bystanders that if they would just step up and and say something, and it can even be done in an anonymous way. I mean, there's and a number of schools have put in steps and approaches to, you know, help students with even anonymously. You don't have to be considered a teller or, Mm -hmm. you know, not like you're you're um, taking somebody's name and just saying, "Well, well, hey, here's a bully but you can do it. Um, what happened was the students in my school, they saw it happen and they heard it, but it was difficult to get out of that bystander mode, very difficult mm-hmm. at the time, because I, I and I, they let me know that they thought, well, if I'm the one that speaks up and says something about this, I, I want to, but if I stand up and say something, what's the chance of me getting bullied also?
0: Understood. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so you stayed in this school fifth grade on or did you transfer?
1: I did no I stayed in the same middle school there in eastern Pennsylvania and um, it I had gone through and endured the verbal and the physical bullying then and of course there were there were different teachers and, and administrators and uh, many times they they wanted to step in and, and they did what they could do um, But the thing about bullying is, and especially bullies, when they single out somebody for, you know, a perceived difference, um, you know, what they like to do is continue on that. And, again, they knew how to push my buttons. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the bullying really, it escalated there in middle school. And, uh, yeah, I was in the same school. I stayed in that school, even though the bullying happened uh, quite frequently, about three times a week.
0: Wow. So when did you manage to, to get away from these bullies? I mean, what caused you to go your way and them to go their way?
1: Yeah, that's and that's what I think so many students. And it's not that they just want to hear it when I when I go out there and share my message uh, about mm-hmm. this. And I really, my heart longs to just really get out there and be motivating about it, like like I try to be um, in the way that. I believe that you know many schools do what they can, mm-hmm. and many administrators and, and teachers do what they can, but Lana, we got up into the ninth grade in high school, and wow. I'll never forget the month. I mean, it was March. It was the month of March uh, there in high school in my freshman year that one student was all that it took, and I, I will say he, he did happen to be on, on the football team uh, there in high school, but... He um, and there were a couple of the bullies that were on the on the football team though also, and uh, but he went to the group one day and he just challenged them outright. Uh, mm-hmm. He just he just pulled them. He said, and he went right up to him and he said, look. It was one morning after homeroom, and he said, look, look here, you don't go mm-hmm. picking on somebody because they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, don't go putting somebody down because they can't do the things that some of the others can do. Uh, don't go hurting somebody because are different from us, and he went in there, and I'll never forget him. I can give his first name. It was Kevin, and um, I mean, I could even give his last name too. But he was the uh, he was the bystander who decided to stand up there mm-hmm. in, in high school my freshman year. And what happened? I think especially the two ringleaders and the bullying were so um, taken aback by wow somebody standing up here. But some of the other students that were bystanders that wanted to also stand up said, mm-hmm. wait a minute, this is a great thing to do. We're also going to stand up, too. And not that we're going to push back or, or harm the bullies in any way, but we're going to stand up and say, enough. You know, bullying's mm-hmm. not. And, again, we didn't really call it bullying back then, but they just stood up, too, and they said, let's look at the positive of somebody. Let's look at the good things that somebody can do. And I, Kevin that started that with uh, not being a bystander. All these other students started coming along, and they decided also, um, we don't want to be bystanders. Also, and they really started to stand up too, just saying, we're, we're standing on the side of Tony here, and we're going to stand for something right. You know, you don't you don't pick on somebody because they're different. Uh, you look for the good things that they can do. And and what they did, Lana, was they uh, they mentioned. I'll never forget back there in the school years. They said, "Well, sure, Tony's got cerebral palsy, but look at him go down the basketball court in gym class and uh, you know put up a uh, basketball into the hoops." Mm-hmm. And look at look at Tony get out there in, in, in the neighborhoods and he rides bikes and skateboards like the rest of us um, after mm-hmm. school. I said, sure, Tony's got cerebral palsy, but have you have you ever seen him run down the field with a soccer ball? And mm-hmm. well, they just. They just started pointing out the positives like that. And all these other kids started coming along and doing the same thing. And it, there it was. All these bystanders that had just been bystanders a couple months ago were now involved to say, we're standing up, we're going to do something good. And, and that's exactly what they did because, Lana, there were, there were about 300 bystanders uh, that came to my side by the March of uh, my freshman year of high school. And they were just standing up, saying, "Okay, enough of the bullying, no more. It's not right." And uh, the bullies just, well, gee, Tony's, Tony's got a whole group behind them now, and <laughs> uh, you know, they weren't getting picked on. Uh, you know, the bullies weren't getting picked on. They weren't saying or doing anything negatively against the bullies. Uh, they, they were just, you know, being constructive and standing up and doing something right. And it was, it was like a tidal wave. Of challenge in my high school and it really had a huge impact on my life
0: okay okay so um, we're going to go to break but when I come back I want to talk more about uh, the hero Kevin and the bystander effect stay tuned we'll be right back with more Tony Bartoli Welcome back to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Lana Reed. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to our conversation today with Tony Bartoli about bullying. Uh, We were talking about uh, the person in ninth grade that uh, stood up for him and helped the bullies uh, get off his back, and that guy is Kevin. Tony, I wanted to talk about, um, as in your case, um, I'm not going to deny the fact to Deny the fact that everybody should be involved in bullying when it comes to it. parents, uh, the students, your teachers, your peers. But do you think it's more effective or a better effect when the peers, the students play an active role in squashing bullying? Or uh, is it better, you know, to come from other avenues as far as getting the bullying to stop?
1: I, I really do, and I, I like how you just put that in, in, in the, the effect of squashing bullying, um, mm-hmm. because I, I really believe that can be done. And students and the, the challenge uh, to not be a bystander, um, if, if we do have students out there, and we do, um, so many students out there, that they, they hear it, they see it, they know it goes on, but they just don't know how to get involved. And what I share with students across the country is that you know, parents, uh, of course, it's absolutely high in importance that uh, a parent uh, can get involved. Or uh, teachers at school, definitely, if they say something, that's how my situation started to get noticed um, back there in the schools. Uh, counselors can be involved at schools and definitely administrators. Now, I I do note also that many schools have, uh, some type of policies or guidelines in place to deal with the issue of bullying. And and all of that, all of that's very important. But going to what you just mentioned, I I think that when students get involved and their, their peers Get that chance to see and to hear other students getting involved and and not being bystanders. I think that is such a key element in preventing bullying, even uh, preventing bullying situations. But and I guess really that comes from personal experience because I experienced that and it was so personal for me because I saw it and I heard it happen and what happened, you know, when students got involved because. The the teachers and the parents and the school administrators getting involved, again, that's a good thing, but bullies, once they know how to pick on somebody and bully somebody, once they know the weaknesses, and I noticed in your opening monologue, you talked about bullying being repetitive and over a period of time, and Mm -hmm. and I remember that, I, I relate back to that because I remember that, yeah, we had some of the counseling sessions, but the bullies made it really subtle. You know, they knew when to, here's an opportunity, here's an opportunity, and they know sneaky ways to go about it. So mm-hmm. when you have other students that are, that are bystanders, and I, the picture that comes to my mind is, uh, some of the students that do around in the state of Florida where I'm from, they have students that they do a uh, school patrol, you know, and not that I say, well, bully patrol, but, um, some of the students that see it and hear it and don't want to be bystanders, yeah, I think that's very, very important to definitely preventing and even stopping bullying going on at a school. I believe it can be done.
0: Okay. So besides the school patrol, what other ways than, can students get involved with stopping bullying in, in schools?
1: I've, I've heard I, just a number of different channels uh, that, that students uh, across the nation are taking, uh, a big one is anti-bullying clubs. Uh, they want to actually put together, you know, some of their own, even if it's a small club uh, in the school that um, the students know is available and other students can join. Um, the other approach is uh, presentations and assemblies on anti-bullying, which, I love to do and to be a part of. I go across the nation with this and speaking in school assemblies and camps all across the nation at um, anti-bullying rallies or anti-bullying assemblies. Uh, The other one is parent groups that uh, parents have at night and uh, after school sometimes they have uh, PTA meetings that center around bullying. I've I've been able to be a part of those. But uh, going back to the students, many of them is just uh, forming their own groups or many of them work with of it, students email me that say they've been in connection with their assistant principals at school or some of the school leaders put together uh, some kind of anti-bullying project, you know, for the school. Um, I'll let you know one other one is a, a big step that many students are taking is an awareness approach to, okay, we're going to do something at the beginning of the school year, Uh, For many places, is late August or middle September, and they want to do some kind of kickoff project uh, to where they're saying, we're going to really have a big focus on addressing bullying for the entire school year. And so many students do that. They want to be involved in putting together something like that to, you know, be open in the school with um, a form of communication about what, what we can do about bullying in the school's
0: Now, uh, basically up to this point we've been talking about bullying in the schools and, you know, the kind of stuff that you suffered with the pushing and the name calling in in the hallways and in the classroom. But there's a new trend these days that I briefly touched on and that is, uh, bullying over like the internet and social media. Is there a way, uh, to, for kids to kind of get involved and, and stop that or how do we come uh, what are some tools that we have to combat those issues
1: that is that that really is such a challenge because the cyberbullying is something that now can take bullying out of the school hallways or away from recess and off school grounds uh definitely you know into into cyberspace and the biggest approach that i've seen on those is again Uh, students getting together and forming groups to uh, deal with, you know, cyberbullying situations. But um, many of the times those are much more challenging situations because they can be anonymous and they involve uh, chat rooms or changing passwords and that kind of thing to where the the parents have to get involved also and document um, writing down, you know, some of these names and what was said and, actually having uh, everything to present to the school if they need to go to the school when the cyberbullying is going on. So I I really think that something like that is something that both the parents and the kids, when it comes to cyberbullying, both parents and the kids have to be involved in to work on that together.
0: Okay. Now, going back to something you originally said, you kind of – with your own situation, you kept quiet about it for such a long time. How do kids uh, get to a comfortable place where they say, you know, let me tell a parent, let me tell an adult uh, that somebody is bullying me? How do you, how do you get kids comfortable to speak up and speak out?
1: Yeah, that's and that, that's such a challenge because I mean, many kids don't know how to. And what what I've seen and heard out there in my experiences, Lana, are that some students are, are saying, you know, I've got a friend of mine who's being bullied, or mm. I, I know this kid in my class, and the students give a name, and, and what can I do? Um, I I know that he or she is being bullied, and here's the reason for it. And I, I encourage them to take a note card. And if somebody can't speak out for themselves, but somebody else can, if somebody else cannot be a bystander, write something, even a, even a piece of paper, but uh, most often on a note card, and hand something to an adult. I'd definitely go to an adult with it. And with it going on at school, uh, send it to a teacher or a principal or guidance counselor. Uh, but also, be, uh, there are many students that they can be, let's say, the spokesperson for, another student that's be, that is being bullied. And, mm-hmm. of course, we, we do have, there are kids out there, and especially in middle school and the younger years that are shy, and even the very shy, and, uh, well, they, they can't speak out about the situations. But if somebody else can, uh, that's the thing, is that most of the time, yeah, although many times nothing gets done about some of these bullying situations, it's true that there are other people around, bullies it They're not usually done in isolated places as a bullying. So Mm -hmm. if another student can go ahead and speak up, say something, do something, uh, then it's a great thing.
0: Okay. Now, uh, a lot of times we tend to kind of dismiss what might be potential bullying as, you know, kids being kids. What differentiates, like, playful playing and somebody bullying? What kind of... Clues or cues should we be looking for?
1: Yeah, something—a uh, horseplay or just goofing around. Uh, some, that, and that's one of the um, uh, one of the big questions that comes up, especially at parent groups all across the country. And if you go back to again what you said at the opening, uh, bullying is really something that is repetitive. And, and happens over a period of time uh, with the intent to harm somebody emotionally, physically, verbally, psychologically. And But, yeah, it comes down to what is bullying? Where do you draw that fine line that, and, you know, some kids are just goofing around and maybe they got, you know, just a, a goofy name for another person? Or is it bullying Where they where they're trying to harm somebody, you know, verbally, physically, emotionally? or in any way. And so, but it's usually, like you said, over a period of time and done with the intent to harm somebody in that way. And and it it does, it it goes beyond, you know, kids will just be mean. Kids will just be mean sometimes. That's true, but in the situations of bullying, it can really be damaging if we don't get in there and really try to do something about it.
0: Well, we're going to take our last break of the day and we'll be right back. And I want to talk some more about what Tony's doing and the consequences of of bullying. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to Don't Box Me In on TalkZone.com. Here's Lana Reed. Hello, hello, welcome back, welcome back. We are trying to uh, tackle this problem of bullying and how to kind of get more awareness of it, stop it, curtail it, or or what. Uh, Tony, do you have any suggestions on, uh, as a parent, what do you do if you uh, suspect your child is uh, being bullied or a bully?
1: Definitely, yes. Um, Going ahead in some of the... Uh, the papers and articles that I have read is it, it's important uh, to document everything, uh, basically the time, date, and, and days that you know these situations occur. And if, it, if it's cyberbullying, it's uh, definitely to go ahead and keep printouts. If you can print the material out and the actual bullying that is going on online, uh, then it, it's very good to have. But it's just uh, very important to document things and be able to have something, you know, not that you want to go in with a whole briefcase of things, but mm-hmm. uh, just have even a, a small folder of the instances and time, date, and place to when you're ready to approach the school about bullying. And I, I think that if, if you know that your, your child is a bully, uh, I, I've heard from a number of counselors, school counselors uh, across the country. And, um, and just to say, some of them have, have brought me in uh, for presentations and, and they say that one of the, one of the big things is that they, sometimes the parents, it's a surprise when they find out that their kid is a bully and or oh. has been doing some bullying. And so when uh, a school, you know, approaches a parent and the parent says, well, then, okay, I'm open to meeting with somebody at the school or the counselor. And it's almost a surprise element of my child's doing the bullying. Well, oh, uh, couldn't be. It really couldn't mm-hmm. be, and then when some of them find out that it's true, and in many instances, uh, there's a big you know element of surprise there, and so if, if your child's being a bully, it's always important to keep the communication lines open, uh, to talk about it and then talk through it, not be defensive, and just point out you know the, the circumstances and and also ask questions mm-hmm. of. Well, what what would make you want to go and do this? Why why do you go ahead and pick on some? More? What's happening here with the name calling? Why the the physical bullying? Some of that going on. Um, but to keep the communication lines open and say we're gonna we're gonna tackle this. We're not just gonna let this go by the wayside.
0: Okay. Now, in your own personal experience, and then some stuff that you've probably learned along the way, what what are some effective like disciplinary actions that you give to bullies as a parent, a teacher, or, you know, school administrator to stop them from doing these kinds of things?
1: Yeah, I've, uh, I think one of the first things and what was so effective for me and what was so very much even moving, you know, in my situation was that the situations were addressed right away. Uh, most of the time, when they saw it, and when they heard uh, these circum the bullying circumstances come up, uh, some of the teachers did call home to my parents um, and also then my parents got on the phone and connected with other parents of the bullies and uh, one of the one of the challenges was that a, a couple of the parents they just thought well, it, it it's just that approach it's just kids being kids, you know. Mm-hmm. And and that because that was, that was a real challenge because yeah, yeah and there, that was their response to my parents was that well, it's just you know kids being kids and my, my parents would say well but my uh, you know Tony here has uh, cerebral palsy and he's dealing with that and he's, yeah but kids will kids will eventually grow out of it but uh, I remember the phone calls especially that at least the effort was made and it was made up front to go ahead and address this, and it was really there, you know, with phone calls, so that really had a huge impact on my life. Um, also, I've heard of parents and not uh, saying, well, okay, we're going to have students research the topic of bullying day in and day out because they've got so much other schoolwork going on, but to actually go ahead and, and take to the Internet because kids are so Internet savvy these days, and if, if um, I have, have actually heard of, some parents going ahead and having their their child, their son or daughter, go ahead and write a two-page paper on bullying and the effects of bullying and what, you know, what does bullying mean and uh, how can it really impact somebody's life. And so that that's really something where, you know, parents go in and say, let's uh, get the students not to do a whole research paper, but maybe a two-page, uh, you know, instructional, hey, this is these are the effects of bullying, and this is what can happen uh, in the, to the other people that are being bullied. And also it does affect the bully. Um, it really does. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, I'm going to assume also that, like, the school environment is different uh, today than it was, you know, back when you and I were in school. So teachers have different dynamics that they have to work with, oversized classes and stuff like that. Do you feel that teachers and school administrators are properly prepared or have the tools to deal with bullying? Because it seems like the numbers are larger than a, a bullying incident than they were in previous generations.
1: Right, right. And, and, and I agree. I, I mean, I really do agree. And I think there's it, it can be overwhelming because there's, there's so much to deal with and work with as far as the students and, and schools these days, and of course the, I, the course loads and the coursework that not only the students have, uh, but that the teachers are preparing for. It's, it's in many times, many instances. It's a well, bullying happens, but here we're going It's gonna go over here because well, it's it's just gotta be if it's an issue it's got to be the ninth issue that we deal with or something like that, you know. And so it, it gets, sometimes it gets brushed aside. It's just, well, yeah, we've all heard about it, and, okay, we're kind of overwhelmed about it, but let's just put it over here because it, it's an issue, but it's not really up there as an issue. Um, you know, and, and it's been talked about so much in, in the news uh, recently, and, um, I know, here where I'm at in the southeast, I mean, we've got a number of... Uh, incidences where uh, bullying has really happened on the school bus uh, quite often. And, yeah, it, and it's just the overwhelming factor of, oh, my goodness, all right. we know bullying goes on and we hear it in the news, we we see it in newspaper articles, but, um, you know, all we can do is all we can do. And so a lot mm-hmm. of that's where I say it's so important for students to get involved and be able to step up and step out about it and see it for what it is, and and to be involved to do something about it. Yeah, very difficult for the younger kids to do. But I'll tell you, um, and I I never I never never want this to be about just me going across the country and doing assemblies. But uh, schools that contact me, they I'm hearing that you know they say, Tony, we we want to do a first grade through third grade assembly. Uh, can you do something like that? Because it it's something that's just younger and younger and. Schools are opening up to well. If we if we if we get after the issue early on, uh, maybe that'll really help us out. So I, I think it's really important to go ahead and address it early.
0: Wow, first and first and third graders. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. so you mostly uh, go around and speak at schools, or can we find you in other venues as well?
1: Other venues have been invited to speak um, in parent groups and also in, in churches across the country, at youth groups, and also conferences. have been not uh, loaded with conferences, but I have had the chance to go and speak at conferences across the country, um, school, the PTA meetings, have been in those, and uh, summertime is uh, camp time, many camps also. So, yeah, venues uh, inside and outside of the school, definitely. Um, any way to go ahead and, and to reach kids. And I, I think what I like about your program, Don't Box Me In, is an inspirational or motivational side of it, too. And, sure, we can get out there and say all the bullying statistics and, and we can read about bullying articles, but I, I think there is a motivational side to it also to say uh, there's something that we can all do to be involved about this and how do I not be a bystander? You know, and how Mm -hmm. do we get to to, to kids? And and there are many schools that are opening up to that that we want to look at bullying in more of an awareness approach rather than, okay, gosh, it happens here and it happens here, and we we know that, but um, how do we, you know, be motivational about it and how do we make more people aware that it's not just numbers? I mean, these are... These are real lives that we're dealing with in kids and families, and um, there's so many different situations out there, of course, um, but how do we go ahead and, like, don't box me in. Many of the teachers of schools feel like, oh, we got so much going on, and parents that, I, gosh, we, we can um, go ahead and address the issue. And uh, I really do. I like to take a motivational side to it and share the story of, what it was like going through it with cerebral palsy and um, because it was different. And um, I the students uh, and, and even teachers in schools across the country, I, it is something that I, I, I get to really work with them on because I did go on to graduate high school and went on to graduate university. And now, uh-huh. despite the cerebral palsy, I'm able to go all across the country and share this message and hopefully to get uh, more students out there and, and uh, anybody cannot be bystanders.
0: Good stuff, awesome. I think you're doing an awesome uh, job. I mean, considering everything that you know, we have to uh, that you have been put through. And I think you know, some people could easily just you know lay down and you know, oh, this my situation, this and oh, my situation that. But you know, you kind of overcame that, and I think that's an amazing and awesome thing. And, uh, and you know, I, I just wish you all the best. Share that. Yeah, I, I just think that's awesome, and I wish you the best in everything that you do. And uh I think we are at the end of this hour. It always goes so quick quick for me. Uh So my guest, <laughs> it just goes so fast. I look up and say, oh, whoa. You know, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is going to take forever. But then I look up and like, hey. But my guest today has been Tony Bartoli. And to get more information on everything that he's doing Please visit his website at tonybforhope.com. That is Tony, the letter B, the number 4, Hope.com. Tony, I appreciate you so much for taking the time to talk with me today.
1: Lonnie, it has been wonderful, and I thank you for bringing me on and giving me the opportunity to share. Thank you very much.
0: Oh, no problem. My pleasure. That's all for this week's show. I'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, remember, when it comes to your dreams, the words can't and won't should never slow you down. There's always space to change and to grow. Don't be boxed in. Live your very best life. I am your host, Lana Reed, and you can visit my website at lanareed.com, my Facebook, Lana Reed Online, or even catch up with me on Twitter, Lana Reed. Until next time, I look forward to connecting with you.